Hey, Dave, how's it going? Good. How you doing, Emmett? Good, good. Thanks for coming on our channel, the Good Soil, going live with Good Soil weekly yeah. uh, chat. Thanks. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I'm excited. I've watched a bunch of your uh, live streams here, <laughs> and I'm super excited about what you guys are doing here. I think you guys are doing the right thing here. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I figured uh, might as well try this out and, and see, you know, see how it goes. And it's a good, you know, forum for Matt and I to kind of chat openly about what we're thinking. We have these chats a couple times a week anyway, but we thought, hey, why don't we do a weekly live stream of what we're thinking and try to get some special guests on from time to time. And so, yeah, we'll see how it yeah. goes. Yeah. I mean, you and Matt have, I think, not just chemistry, but you actually have complementary skills. And I, I think, think so it, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's really exciting to see how that is coming out. So excited yeah. to see what you guys yeah. have in store. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Matt's off this week. Um, mm -hmm. So thanks for coming on. And in a couple of weeks, I'll be off and he'll have hopefully a, a special guest or two. Um, so yeah, first, usually what we do is um, we chat about, you know, just some general macro market stuff. And then we go into like Tesla specific or investment idea stuff. And sure. I guess um, we're waiting for people to come in live and we'll go over a bunch of questions. I know we submitted on Twitter. There's a bunch of questions queued up there. And then People who are watching live can start typing in their questions and our behind the scenes guy, Alec, will help cue them up for when we're ready for that. Awesome. So, Sounds good. Yeah. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on um, is, uh, of like the recent China crackdowns with the Internet stocks? And now there was like some news of like them being concerned about electronic gaming uh, being a concern there. That's something I have to pay. We have to pay attention to since we're heavy on Roblox and Roblox is trying to build a presence in China. So it might affect that, you know. So I don't know, do you have any thoughts about like China's kind of policies for this or, or how they're going about it? I'm just curious. Yeah. Um, so I've been following China for like the, for a very long time, probably over what, 30 years when I was like in college, it was one of my fascinations, like uh, China, but also at that time, the Soviet Union. And I ended mm -hmm. up like studying East Asian um, kind of political economic development. So really mm -hmm. went into um, kind of Korea, Singapore, Taiwan, Japan, all these countries are how they developed economically, but what the role of the government was to support that or not support that. And also study China too. And <clears throat> over the years, what I've seen is China is actually doing like, they're just doing what's obvious um, and what's obviously has been done in that region. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, they went heavy exports, um, and, you know, a lot of the, the governments in those times were criticized for being a lot, very authoritarian, especially mm -hmm. even Korea. It was, it was um, criticized, South Korea was criticized being very, like, authoritarian in the 70s and even 80s. Um, mm -hmm. But what a lot of people didn't understand was that a lot of these governments are ultra practical governments. They really are long term thinking um, and they have a game plan. Like it's really mm -hmm. a game plan. So they know the next five or 10 years, what they need to do, like what industries support, how they're going to do it. It's all laid out. Um, in the Western world, it's really hard to understand that type of government because the government in the Western worlds are much more chaotic. It's much mm -hmm. more like consensus driven and things do really change. If you have a different president, it really, you know, policies do change. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. However, in China, it's much more steady. Like people think that, you know, it's, they reflect, impose their own political biases onto China. But the reality is um, China has been rather consistent in how they're progressing with economic development. Um, I'm not a fan of their, you know, political kind of human rights um, aspect, but on their economic front, um, 
they are so precise, so practical, so long-term thinking. They're following the East Asia playbook for economic development. And this whole latest crackdowns, in my opinion, it's, it's just, it's just part of the, like what they're doing. It's, it doesn't long-term change plan. course. Yeah, it doesn't change course. Um, their companies are going to grow. The economy is going to grow. Um, yeah. The companies will adjust to different, you know, to, you know, different things. I think there was this thing where the tech companies were gaining a lot of power. There was maybe some dissatisfaction, discontent, and the government stepping in to show who's who, who's, who's in boss. control. Yeah, yeah. Um, but overall, I'm not concerned. Like in terms of, you know, I don't think this changes. China's trajectory in any way. I still think you know there's some great companies out there, um, but it, it shows the reality. This risk is always there that the Chinese government is going to step in, you know, do something crazy, um, change everything. some policy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always a risk. So you know, um, with China, one of my concerns is I think to be a heavy investor there, you need to have boots on the ground. You need to really mm. like be there. You know, understand the culture, the news, the companies, etc. Um, but yeah, mm. did you uh, yeah. by chance? Uh, hear about that Ray Dalio piece on China? I saw you, you I think you tweeted something out about it. I didn't read it all. Yeah. I kind of skimmed it. I tried to do like the Dave Lee speed reading, yeah, which I'm yeah. not really good at yet, but I tried yeah. to, to read a couple of sentences. And I saw that he yeah. thinks it's just kind of, you know, we have to be, it's not necessarily bad. It's sort of like, we just have to adjust to it and embrace yeah. it sort of, is that sort of the gist? Yeah, the, the gist of it is, and the reason why I, I tweeted that out is because I'm like, wow, like there's so much noise with China right now. Um, yeah, there is. Uh, and a lot of it comes from people who don't understand China. And I could re I could pick it up actually quite fast a lot of times because I'm like, oh, this this person doesn't understand China or that region, mm -hmm. like the cultural nuances. But with Ray Dalio, I was actually very impressed. I'm like, wow, mm -hmm. actually, he understands actually what's yeah. been going on in China. Um, yeah. So I was impressed at his, his take being kind of similar, you know, yeah. different angle, but similar to mine. I think he could be right. And then folks like Spark Invest or whoever's kind of spooked about it could also be right. It's one of those things mm -hmm. where you could have like two sides of the coin, both being sort of right, like long-term fundamentals, probably, you know, maybe Ray Dalio is right that it's, you know, mm -hmm. it's strong still and nothing to worry about, but short-term, just the worry of average investors or institutional investors that don't have full confidence are going to get spooked and close some positions out in China and just cause like market drops in Chinese uh, US listed stocks of Chinese companies and yeah. such. So it's kind of like one of those situations where you have to see both sides, I guess, but they're both sort of right. In some so in short term, it's probably very jittery for the market when these things happen. But long term, it's probably still bullish. It doesn't change much, maybe. Is that kind of yeah. your feeling? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think uh, it could shift some type of um, it could signal a shift of strategy in, in mm -hmm. with China um, government where they're not as tolerant with these big tech companies, you know, like mm -hmm. Alibaba and Tencent, et cetera, and the power that they're influencing. So it could signal actually a, a, shite, a slight shift where um, it could damper, you know, some of their future prospects. Um, so yeah, definitely mm -hmm. uh, something to look out for. Yeah. yeah, some of those companies are taking big hits on their market cap. Yeah. So yeah. could be a big sale or maybe it's pricing in what's going on. So yeah. Yeah, and speaking of, uh, you know, market jitters, I think this Delta variant, you know, the news cycle is sort of still picking up on this and causing, I think, trying to get clickbait headlines as much as possible. I'm sure it's, you know, serious, but I, I personally don't think it's near as serious as it was, you know, uh, when the original COVID strain came out, we didn't have, you know, vaccines or antibodies, we didn't know much about or how to treat it. And um, so, I, you know, I don't think it's as personally as 
big of a health problem, close to as big of a health problem. But I still, I still think that there's kind of mass hysteria potential from the news headlines that could create shockwaves in the market. But hopefully not near as bad as uh, the last COVID crash is my thought. And maybe we've already seen those kind of shockwaves hit in the last couple of weeks with a few like 3% down moves here and there. But uh, it's possible, in my opinion, we could drop another 5 or 10% if suddenly the whole nation goes on lockdown or attempted to go on lockdown, which I don't think would happen. But you never know with uh, the political environment what they're going to try to push forward with. Do you have any thoughts about the Delta variant, how that's affecting things in the market? Yeah, I mean, I've been actually this past like week or so, I've been diving into some of some more of the like, you know, pros and cons of the vaccine and um, looking into Delta somewhat and looking at the bigger picture. I mean, on kind of a just a purely macro or economic view. Yeah, I actually, I agree. I think um, our economy is different. You know, we're prepared more. I think um, just people in a way are almost at the other extreme, very, very, you know, cautious. And I think it's hard to, to see um, the economy and the nation or the world be taken by surprise like it did, you know, um, early mm -hmm. last year. So um, yeah, yeah I, I'm actually like a pretty optimistic in terms of the economy, the and you know its robustness. Um, sure, there could be you know its fluctuations and jitters, etc. Um, but I think this whole Delta poses this other kind of bigger question or questions, where I'm having a really hard time getting objective information on like yeah. these vaccines, like the the pros and cons. You know, is it, what type of dangers you know, and I'm seeing a lot of you know. Um, media saying that, hey, there is no danger, you know, it's perfectly safe. But mm -hmm. intuitively, I understand that there's always two sides, you know, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like, you can't yeah. just believe someone who says that. And so yeah. as I've been looking at okay, what are the what's the other side to the vaccine, you know, kind of story. And yeah, you know, I was doing some Google searches, and I just couldn't find anything. I'm like, this is fishy. You know? it's, <laughs> it's like, like scrubbed. Yeah, completely scrubbed. And I look at YouTube, I'm like, I can't find anything, you know? Everything is just positive on this thing. I'm like, And that makes is... you more suspicious, right? It just makes you more suspicious yeah, when that happens, right? I mean, right? It's the, if it becomes where the censorship becomes the bigger problem than even yeah. the thing that you're researching, right? Yeah. <laughs> like if they just let everything out the way, exactly. like if they let freedom of information, maybe we'd research it and be like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. But now that they're like, it's like being scrubbed, it makes us really like, makes a lot of people very suspicious. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this poses a, a bunch of questions, but kind of like, how do we find accurate information when in a world where so many things are kind of on a platform yeah. that is biased in, in certain ways? Um, but I think it goes back to some of the stuff we talk about often. It's kind of independent thinking um, where you can catch that. You're like, hmm, this is fishy, man, you know? And yeah. in yeah. terms of investing, those are sometimes the best things opportunities, you know, where you have 99.9% .9 of the population believing a certain thing, but you yeah. know, intuitively something's off, you know, and then yeah. um, it's actually um, just because most people believe in something doesn't mean it's, you know, the right thing or the yeah. most opportune. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm still, for me, I'm still on, you know, I'm not a hundred percent. You and I talk about trying not to think binarily and try to yeah. think probabilistically. Like for me, the probability the vaccines are good is is higher than fifty percent, but it's not ninety nine percent to me. You know, like a lot of people exactly. think it's a hundred percent given. You know, but you know, I think okay, I think the vaccines are probably the right thing, the good thing. But the fact that you can't find a lot of information 
kind of skews my uncertainty about what the probability should be in my mind, whether, you know, if I naturally saw the information, maybe I'd come to like a 98 or 95% conclusion myself, but because you can't find a lot of honest, you know, you, you have a lot of disinformation about anti-vaxxer, you know, there's, there are some anti-vaxxers that are, you know, crazy, but there yeah. also are some legitimate questions that get kind of scrubbed and, and you have some of that. And so it just raises my uncertainty level because we're, we try to be independent thinkers, like we said, and sometimes maybe it, it backfires or maybe it's good, but uh, you know, when markets, when employing that to markets, it's generally a good thing when investing because you can get some yeah. big returns on those occasions. I don't know how to apply this particular um, discussion to the markets right now, but uh, maybe there yeah. will be a way. Yeah. 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 Speaking of the bigger markets, I mean, the infrastructure bill, um, you know, there's, that's been getting some headlines recently. I mean, what do you think the latest chances are that this, uh, you know, $10,000 EV credit will come to fruition for all EVs? I mean, I saw Elon tweeted something, yeah. you know, favorable to the Biden administration wanting 40% of all cars to be EVs recently. And so it sounds like things are on the, the momentum's going the right direction. But do, do you have any kind of thoughts or analysis on that? Yeah, so um, it seems like, you know, the EV tax credit is pushed to this whole budget reconciliation process. So the infrastructure bill, one trillion doesn't include it, and they might vote mm -hmm. on it this week. By the end of the week, they're, mm -hmm. they're thinking uh, before they go on a recess until like September or something, September 20th, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so if they vote on it, then they, they're also trying to start the budget reconciliation process. Um, and they're trying to vote on that this week. We'll see if they can start it. But then the actual budget reconciliation process, which could include the EV thing, they'll probably start talking about it in September. My guess is probably late October or something, November, we might get some type of you know passing. I think yeah. the Democrats are gonna pass something because they have got control. Yeah, you know, this is um, their chance. Yeah, this is their big chance. You do it the first year also if you're a Democrat, you have the most kind of political capital. It makes sense. Um, my, I don't know, I'm curious what you think on this. I'm kind of torn a little bit because I feel like- I am. Um, sure. A tax credit, I kind of like think that 7,500 might be a little too much if it's for like yeah. over five years, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like yeah. I, I kind of think, you know, already EVs are reaching parity, almost there. Um, I don't know if you need some type of thing that's like five or seven year long, you know, like unlimited, uncapped 7,500. Yeah. I think something like $3,000, you know, for four or five years, that would be sufficient, you know? I think um, so. But I don't know. What's your take? Yeah, I sort of think that, um, you know, it would help the EV industry for sure, I think. But I don't think Tesla necessarily gets incremental advantages from this. I think their demand is pretty much unlimited in the U as far as for, for a year, like their demand is as much production as they can make for the next few years anyway, even wh whether you have this or not. But I think the perception for the near term stock price will be like, oh, this is great for Tesla. The demand is not an issue anymore. And the stock could take a nice bump from it, you know, from the assurance of, of the demand uh, never being an issue, you know, but I, I do think in reality, long term, it doesn't make much of a difference to Tesla's bottom line. Um, maybe Tesla could raise prices a little bit more than they otherwise would have actually. So maybe they'd have a little better margins, but it also creates room for a lot of other EVs to get in, in the space that otherwise wouldn't. So in general for the EV industry, I think it's good, but from Tesla specific viewpoint, uh, you know, long-term I'm sort of indifferent, but near term, I think it's good for Tesla stock price um, or the perception of Tesla, you know, near term. Um, that's my view. I mean, I think, yeah, you know, 
I'm not opposed. I mean, I think three or four thousand would be sufficient and would be helpful. And um, if it was like a huge drag on the taxpayer, I'd say sure, that's probably better. But you know, considering everything else the government's spending money on, I feel like ten thousand. You know, I think it was a few hundred billion would have to be allocated to that two hundred billion or something like that. I mean, to me, that's that you know, that's a substantial amount of money. But for what the government spends money on in general, I feel like that would be a much wiser use of their money versus. 90% of the other stuff the government spends money on, you know, so relatively speaking, I'm not opposed to ha them having kind of a higher credit that goes directly into the consumer's pockets, you know, so to speak, versus all the pork they spend money on otherwise, <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's yeah. a complicated thing because on one hand, yeah, if you do do aggressive incentives for a long period of time, you're going to help the EV adoption and, you know, in the world of kind of, you know, extreme weather climate issues i mean any urgency could be you know actually very important so um, um that's one side the other side is kind of like i don't i think people are, are mostly underestimating how much this stuff costs like when i do just mm -hmm. the basic calculations if you do ten thousand dollar credit every one million um uh every one million vehicles is ten billion dollars so mm -hmm. if you do like ten million vehicles that's a hundred billion dollars yeah um, which you know now the government's talking trillions trillions always yeah, so yeah. maybe it's not that much but still it's like yeah. if you do it for five or six years it's going to be far more than 10 million vehicles you know we're talking yeah. about it could reach 10 million a year even you know so yeah um yeah. so it's true but we'll see yeah. i'm sure they'll adjust I, it though if, if it becomes too possible. yeah i just think it's a good way for the government to funnel money directly because like pound dollar for dollar directly in consumer pocket without like the middleman government taking a big chunk of it in between and wasting it on whatever the government typically waste things on. So, but it, but it is expensive. You're right. It is a very expensive uh, bill. Maybe they'll they'll settle at like seventy five hundred or five thousand or something. Yeah. But whatever they they should do something. It would be yeah. good. To I do mean, something. It could be like kind of what is that punity for all their years of supporting the the oil industry. Yeah, <laughs> these polluting cars. Like, yeah, yeah. Like pay, payback, you know, or something. But I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, I'm sure there's tons of lobbying going on both directions for this right now. It's probably, yeah. if you're in like the lobbyist world, uh, you know, please do. Uh, if you're a lobbyist or in the lobbying world, world, please do reach out to Dave and I on, on Twitter, or me at least. I'm curious to see from that perspective what's going on with this infrastructure bill. I'd be super yeah. curious to like yeah, chat definitely. with someone who's like a lobbying person um, in this industry. Um, anyways, uh, so also... You know, speaking of Tesla, I mean, uh, Elon's no longer doing the quarterly earnings calls. That's a pretty big deal. But you know, I mean, I think most people, most long-term investors see that as a good thing, right? We we see it as he has more time to dedicate towards the things that are more important, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't know. To me, it's kind of a non-issue. I mean, um, yeah, yeah. He he. So I mean, I like hearing him on the conference calls because like you get this. Me too. You get it's kind of a lecture, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like a teaching moment. Tangents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But on the flip side, I think he can be a little bit, um, at times, I think some of his timelines are counterproductive. Yeah. And I actually think Zach and Drew and some of the others might actually handle the timeline aspect and keeping analyst expectations in line. I think they might do actually a, a, a better job with that. Um, mm -hmm. So, and I don't know, I just don't see... Um, I mean, as long as if Elon, I, I love Elon's interviews though. That's the thing. If he could Me just too. continue more and more just engaging with media or people, yeah. um, I think 
that that's underrated you know i mean yeah i hope he keeps up that part of it though yeah, yeah me too me too. Speaking of which, have you? Uh, is there any any front any news on your front with a potential interview yet, or, or is it not yet? I've reached out to uh, Tesla's IR. Haven't heard back yet, so we'll see. Um, we'll see. But yeah. I figure I was telling my wife, like, you know, it, it, even if it doesn't happen this week, at least he's publicly kind of committed to it. So you yeah, know, I'm guessing at some point it'll, it'll, it'll probably, probably happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's the AI day coming up, which is a big yeah. deal. Maybe after that, there's enough time to digest what's going on, interviewing about more ideas after that and stuff. So there's no rush. I agree. Yeah. It'll be it'll be incredible, historic if you get a chance to interview him though. And yeah, you know, I, everyone watching this, I'm sure, loves your interviews and and such. I mean, speaking of the AI day, I mean, we've had a chance to kind of speculate on that. I mean, it seems like it's a huge recruiting effort for machine learning, neural network type folks. And and uh, but you know, you know, he's gonna he's gonna you know provide a vision, right? He's gonna have his vision displayed or you know presented. Um, on this AI day, do you have any thoughts on what his vision might be? I mean, I know you, you've talked about it a couple of times on your channel. Yeah. You wanna... Yeah. I mean, this morning, so there's a few breaking kind of news. So, um, someone tweeted out the, a picture from the invite AI day invite. It starts 5 PM on August 19th. Supposedly. Oh, wow. But it's a picture of a, of a multi-layered chip. Um, and it appears to be kind of like the dojo chip that Tesla has, you know, has created. So it seems wow. like they'll give a lot of information about that. Um, the person who tweeted that though is this guy, Dennis Hong. He's a professor at UCLA. He runs their robotics and mechanisms lab there. And they actually specialize in like humanoid robots. Um, wow. I was looking at their website and some of his videos and it's, and then someone in his Twitter, his thread asked him, oh, are you partnering now with Tesla? And then he mm. replied and he said to the effect like, oh, I can't uh, reveal any details about that yet. And he had a couple excited wow. emojis about that. And people were like, oh, you wow. just basically announced it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I replied, I'm like, congrats, right? <laughs> um, but if you think about it, this, these partnerships take a long time. You just don't sign yeah. it in one day, right? Or one week. Yeah. So what yeah. it shows is it shows Tesla has been engaging with this guy, his lab, um, and you know his team for a while. It, it must be months, right, of conversation. And it looks like if they were just um, talking, then he wouldn't say, oh, I can't reveal anything yet, right? I mean, yeah, it yeah, seems that's... like there's something going on. There's some type of arrangement, kind of like, you know, um, with the whole battery, you know, uh, I was just thinking that Jeffrey Don and stuff. Way yeah, back yeah, his labs up there in Canada. Yeah, exactly. It seems like perhaps Tesla is reaching out to some cutting edge robotic labs. Um, it helps in different ways because they get access to that that technology. The labs yeah. get access to Tesla's AI and other other stuff to experiment with. So it just boosts up everything. You know, their prominence yeah. of of being a robotics lab just goes up a few notches. Very mutual. And then, yeah. Yeah, and then um. Also, Tesla gets to recruit from those lab students, so they get the best students. Um, it's just like it's, it's a win-win for 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 everyone there. And um, my hunch is like he's he he was one of the first to get the invite, right? So meaning like this whole concept of robots beyond mm -hmm. just the car. So you're talking about mm. perhaps factory robots, you know, household robots, outdoor robot, yeah. whatever. This is something that it's not just. Um, you know, wishful thinking five or 10 years down the road, it seems mm -hmm. like Tesla's actually making like real investments in this area. Um, and I, I kind of, I tweeted this a while back. I'm like, 
we're we're at this like crazy junction in history where um, um, cr crazy turning point where robots are getting the intelligence, starting to get the intelligence to start to replace what humans do. But eventually, they will likely be able to do almost everything physically that we do, probably better than us um, mm. long term when we think about it. And it's we're at this you know turning point. And Elon replied to that saying, "Yeah, it's a re I think he's saying something to effect it's a remarkable junction in history." And mm. um, like I, the thing is, like Elon's been tweeting about this so much. Real world AI, real world yeah. AI, and everyone's yeah. like, oh, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah, yeah. What does and that in mean? The, in the background, he's like inking partnerships with robotic labs, you know, yeah. who are making humanoids. You just combine AI, real world AI, with these robots. What do you get? Yeah. It's like obvious, right? What you get, but yeah, um, interesting, fascinating stuff. Yeah, I can't wait to see this presentation. I mean, I remember the the autopilot or the the self driving presentation years ago and the stock kind of you know anticipated it and went up and same with battery day you know the stock mm -hmm. was kind of going up leading up to it and then it kind of tanked right after so I, I almost wonder if it it'll be a good short term same with the cyber truck all these big unveilings or big things the stock sometimes kind of creeps up going into it and then just takes a quick break right afterward you know consolidates 10% yeah. more after and it could be a good the last good buying opportunity if that happens on this one but in terms of the actual content of the AI day, I'm super excited to, to see it up. You know, you and I will eat that up. Any Tesla nerd, you know, pretty much everyone watching this will eat that up. You know, we'll, yeah. we're, we're all looking forward to that. Did you happen to get an invite? You didn't get an invite. No, uh, no, 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 right? no. I haven't gotten it, one. Yeah. It's going to probably, what, did, did it say on the invitation where it is? Is that their Hawthorne or uh, I think Palo Alto. Or? Oh, way up. Okay, Northern. I'll yeah. be down southern california then so i wouldn't be able to go if i got i yeah. probably wouldn't get anybody but yeah i've got it'd be travel so plans cool to myself. go yeah 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 it'd be cool i know you're uh talking to james dauma later uh, on this type of stuff so i'm looking forward to hear your your guys uh detailed uh speculation on on this stuff yeah. coming up later it's, today it's funny because like he's got such a you know not just a technical uh background and understanding of this stuff like he's he can he connects it with like you know opportunities and the yeah. knowledge of Tesla as well and Elon. So for example, someone tweeted or asked him this morning what that chip picture was, you know, on the invite it has all these like 10 different layers. And he's like, Oh, you know, this, it's this type of chip, I think, you know, with this type of thermal, whatever wow. management, all this stuff. So he's able to kind of understand like what Tesla is doing on a different level than, you know, us, yeah. Um, us mere mortals. <laughs> yeah. He's a good translator for us. He's a good yeah. translator. Yeah, like George Hotch was kind of an interesting guy. He was fun to talk to. He was a, he could translate things too, but his That's personality true. is pretty pretty intense. But uh, he's a, he's a funny guy. He's a good guy. He's smart. Sees things at interesting angles. But uh, yeah. yeah, James Alma is much more low, laid back, easygoing. I think he's very open minded too. And you know, yeah. um, so it's really interesting to hear his perspective on this stuff. Yeah. Um, hey, George Hotz, what did you uh, think about um, uh, <laughs> the interview we did with him? He's a brilliant, there's no question, even before we interviewed him, we knew, you just know from everything that is out there about him, he's a brilliant mind. You know, he's one of those one in a million computer hacker dudes, you know, whether he's one of the top 10 in the world or the top thousand, he's somewhere in there probably for sure. So it's just good to talk to him and uh, hear his side of things. Um, his personality, you know, he's, it's fun talking to him with his, I was listening to, listening back to it. Um, on one and a half speed, 
and all our personalities change when you listen to it like one and a half or two x speed but his is extra funny like to listen to at one and a half speed it was funny in real time anyway but it was just like extra cartoonish but in a good way you know and he's, he can run circles around me like with the computer science you know thinking you know probably anything really but he's a smart dude but uh it, it, you know I, th- I thought he um brings perspective that's kind of refreshing to hear because it's different than what we're used to in the tunnel vision of the Tesla Twitterverse. Like he kind of provides a fresh perspective from comma.ai and their approach, which is important to, to listen to and understand, you know, how fundamentally different it can be in certain ways. Yeah. Um, did you, what was your kind of impressions? Yeah. Um, I think a bunch of different things. I and mean, what I didn't expect him to be so entertaining and so engaging. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah, great. It was, yeah. it, was a, it was a fun ch- conversation and gracious. He was very generous with you yes. know, his time and everything. Uh, so I, I appreciated just the time with him. Um, in terms of technically speaking, like I was actually very, um, I came across with more conviction regarding Tesla's approach. I just mm-hmm. feel like their approach on one side, it's a genius business model. You're going after the aftermarket, it feels like. You know, yeah. aftermarket add-on market. You're not even going after the OEM, like you know, like partnership market. Yeah, um, yeah. You leave that to Mobileye. You leave the integrated kind of you know leader position to Tesla. You go after kind of a, the aftermarket. I wouldn't say it's a it's the aftermarket stereo market, but it's a different after. It's an aftermarket sure. driver assist you know market. That's a yeah. new nascent market right there. And so, all they have to do is they just have to beat. They just have to continue to offer something that is getting better. And who's going to be able to beat them long term if they have like, they already have 20 people, they'll probably grow to 30 or 40 in the next couple of years. Um, you've got this large open source community that already supports 130 vehicles. Like, yeah. It's going to be hard for a new company to beat them um, in the aftermarket space. Like They've yeah. got that cornered right now. And I think yeah. George, his real key inside realization is, you know, oh, we just need to just continue to plug away. And yeah. Uh, will win a good chunk of this aftermarket, you know, uh, market, which is billions and billions of dollars. You know, we could be yeah. a, a, a large Huge. company just off of that. Yeah. And we don't even need to be in the same, like, same, like, distance. We don't have to be compete with Tesla per se. Yeah. You know, because we're in the aftermarket. Who are they competing with? They're competing with almost nobody, you know? That's so right. I think that's his key insight. And then he could position himself the whole time saying, oh, we're, we're, almost as good a Tesla. We're chasing them, which is, in my opinion, doesn't make a lot of sense because yeah. they're like in completely different categories. You know, Tesla mm-hmm. has is an integrated system, eight cameras really pushing the limits on full self-driving. They're really like lane keeping right now, you know? Um, yeah, they're just trying to be like the full, they'll, they'll be trying to be like the pure autopilot on highways. You know? Yeah, for, to be like the- yeah. Yeah, for a while, but then at, once they get to like 50 or 100 employees, right? Yeah. And it, they've, they've got like hundreds of thousands of unit sales and stuff. Now it's going to be a lot easier for them to add on those features, right? Like yeah. the, the turnings yeah. and all that stuff. Um, but it'll be in a completely different kind of generation of of change, you know? Like yeah. Tesla is pushing the limits. Kama is going to go slow, you know? Yeah, and yeah. Because, you know, one of the things is existentially, they don't want to go too fast because they'll get too much criticism and people will try to shut them down, perhaps, you know, yeah. regulators, et cetera. So they want to err on the side of safety, in, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. And so genius business model. I think it's a great uh, business yeah. model, too. Yeah, he wants to, yeah. They, I think their logo, their, one of their logos is like keep driving chill or something, you know. Yeah. So they want to, yeah, I agree with you. I think um, 
inevitably you'll have some automakers, you know, right now they're sell to do it yourself people, right? They, you got to do it. Yourself. You got to get that kit. And I saw the Comic-Con um, presentation or the keynote that I didn't watch yeah. the whole thing. It was long, but I saw George's keynote and uh, I was impressed. And it, you know, the, the thing that sticks out to me is it's really just for do it yourself people still at yeah. some point, I think when they get favorable terms from like Ford or GM or Volkswagen or something that says, Hey, can we just add your, we'll, we'll, we'll pre-order a million of your units and at your price. And we just want to have it as an option that we can add on to all our cars we sell, you know, for consumers. I think he would take it if it's favorable. It'd be a huge boon for his business. Right. I mean, it would still be independent. It would just be put on a dealership or something versus people that, you know, cause there's a lot of people like me that don't want to do it yourself. Like, you know, I would yeah. if I had to, but it's just a pain for a lot of people that are busy to like get this thing and try to figure out how to do it themselves. So, yeah. I think that's in the wings for them. I think that'll happen sooner or later. Um, and that'll be like when they really get on the map um, yeah. in terms yeah. of everyday conversations. Yeah, I mean, that's the optimistic view. The The other side is, <laughs> let's say they do really grow a lot. Yeah, there could Let's say 10 years down the road, there could be this uh, tension between the automakers where um, if enough people are foregoing not buying the integrated, let's say, system, mm -hmm. um, opting to put on a comma system later, then, you know, you could see a whole flurry of different tactics by the OEMs because this is margins. Like they are experts in like, you know, tweaking yeah. the, the 0.1% yeah. margin. You're talking yeah. about lawsuits, you know, different ways to try to prevent. That's you know, true. The, the yeah. The warranty of the car, they could void. If yeah, they could do a like lot of stuff. It. Yeah, yeah. It could be, it could get messy. Um, yeah. But they're still under the radar enough right now where they're not, in, you know, threatened yet by that. But yeah, you're right. Maybe yeah, exactly. as they get more successful. But it's, yeah, that's a super long term, you know, like if they're successful. And if they're successful, they'll, Kamo will also have different options themselves, I think. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So yeah, I think we've chatted a lot about stuff. Um, Alex, do you want to, I think Alec and our uh, running this uh, restream has collected some questions from Twitter first. Um, so maybe we'll start with those and then go to some live questions. Alec, do you want to kind of put some questions down below? Daniel Gardner says, I'm wondering if there have been previous companies or stocks with such huge communities and bulls. Were there people who were all in on say Apple or Amazon and saying so 10 years ago, is there anything to be said about this? I think for Apple, you know, there certainly was, I don't know if it's to the degree of Tesla, um, but you know, Dave, you've been investing probably longer than me and, and you saw the Apple kind of hysteria come and go. It's still there. But do you think that the investor community around Apple like 10 years ago, how, how would you compare that to Tesla today's? Yeah. Um, so like maybe like 2014 or 15, there's someone on Tesla Motors Club who, who g gathered kind of the biggest, there was a, a big Apple forum. There, mm -hmm. there are several, but one of them had an investor section and they were discussing Apple stock throughout the years. This was kind of maybe 2000, you know, five to 2000, maybe 13 or 14. And so mm -hmm. he, he printed out all of the discussions, um, mm. as a PDF and it was like hundreds wow. and hundreds of pages. And it's so fascinating to me because when you go through it, um, the reality is, you know, people are interested or excited, but they're really, they're really wishy-washy and 
people are like, mm. oh, you know, it's too, it's too expensive now or I'm out, right? And it's like 2006 or, or, or 2008 after the iPhone. They're like, ah, I doubled <laughs> my money. I'm out, you know? <laughs> and there was really like only one guy in that whole like, you know, thousands. I said, it's probably thousands. It was like crazy uh, long, but wow. thousands of posts, like there was one guy who really understood what was going on and he played mm. leaps and wow. he knew what to do. And um, after a while, he disappeared. People were thinking, like, did he buy an island or a jet or something? <laughs> yeah, it's like, what's going on? <laughs> um, but yeah, it was interesting. It was fascinating to see that um, and um, early on. Um, but yeah, with Tesla, it, it feels like, you know, just starting a couple of years ago, like the investor community kind of exploded in terms of it, the interest in the stock. Um, yeah. And uh, there's pros and cons to that, in my opinion. I mean, it's no longer kind of like this hidden opportunity that it was where it's no longer as counterintuitive or countercultural as it was yeah. in its early days. And so you've got a lot more kind of the, the personality and the feel of most people coming into it is not the rebellious counter, you know, culture, whatever, you know, person or personality. It's more of this they're jumping in a little bit earlier than others, you know, maybe early adopters, um, not yep. necessarily the, the first movers, but you know, the, the early adopter crowd, they're jumping on, which is great. But um, I think it could be tricky because you think that, oh, I'm in such a great investment. Yeah. So many people think that it's a great investment now, but in reality, yeah. uh, it, that has its, its cons too, you know, it's like, um, sometimes the, the greatest investments are the, they feel the most loneliest, you know, it's like, yeah. you feel like you're the only person in the whole world who has this, this idea or insight. Um, yeah. and that could be lost when you have just crowds of people, you know, jumping in, but yeah, uh, there was like an initial, a wave like this back in 2013, 2014. Right. And then it kind of like the stock languished for years and by, it took years, but by 2017, 18, it felt kind of lonely to be in Tesla by that point, like three or four years later. Right. Sure. There was just people, people were doubting it and it took a while. But uh, at that time, that was the right time to get in. Like you said, like that's when you want to be in on these, you know, generational companies when it starts feeling a little counterintuitive or lonely, I guess. And, yeah. and then sure enough, it took off. And hopefully this cycle that we're in now doesn't take another five years to run until the next, you know, big, you know, up move in the stock. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's possible. Right. I mean, these things go in cycles and. The business, while we know it's going to be fantastically successful for years to come, the stock is a whole different enigma. It doesn't follow the business you know, year by year. You know, Matt and I have talked about this. You know, something like Tesla, which is such a huge disruptor, like beyond any growth stock. It's like two levels above all the yeah. other growth tech stocks in terms of how disruptive it is. You know, the, 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 the stock is going to be even more erratic, you know, um, trying to track the business versus you know, a normal stock or a normal growth stock that other people are used to investing in. So it yeah. could be five or 10 years until you kind of zoom out and say, okay, now the stock price makes sense. But in the yeah. meantime, it could be a few years of just the stock hovering in a certain range or something. Yeah. So, I mean, a, a counter, I want to say counter, but a different angle. Cause I, like we've talked about this where that we both, you know, are very keenly aware that that's a real possibility. I've yeah. been thinking about this other angle, which is kind of, you look at Tesla's, uh, not just their earnings, because people can kind of look down on that as this, oh, it's still low POV ratio, all this stuff. But if you look at their EBITDA numbers, it's mm -hmm. interesting because 2020 like was really the breakout year where you started yeah. to see significant EBITDA numbers. And then the past 
you had three quarters of just stagnation actually until this mm -hmm. quarter, which you, you saw a big bump with EBITDA. Yeah. And then if you look out the next just few years, it's just, it almost looks like it's progressively going to grow. Uh, the EBITDA numbers. And one kind of other possible thesis is the stock will track EBITDA more hmm. than any other metric. That'd be great. And, I would love that. If, yeah, if that's the case, that kind of explains a little bit of this, like the S&P inclusion maybe boosted it a little too high and yeah. then uh, and then we're stalling, but also it matches the, the um, Q4, actually it matches, I think Q3, Q4 and Q1. So Q3, Q4 of last year and Q1 of this year, um, EBITDA was flat, like $1.8 billion. And then uh, this past quarter, just right now, it, it jumped, I think, 2.4, 2.5. So you had yeah. three quarters of flat, and then you had the jump. So it kind of makes sense if you, you could say, okay, well, you know, it's, it's tracking EBITDA, but then EBITDA is flatlined. S&P 500 kind of got it a little too high emotionally, mm -hmm. and so it's now had to reconsolidate. There could be an argument to be made where now it's going to start to track, you know, the growth of EBITDA over the next few years more consistently yeah um it's a theory right now you know i don't know i think at some point that's yeah. definitely going to happen I, th I agree at some point i just don't i hope it's now but i also wonder if the stock got so far i mean, we went up 10x in like 18 months yeah <laughs> it's a big yeah. big jump in and uh, i think a lot of it is overdue from the previous five years but how much of it i don't know but uh yeah i, I hope you're you're right that i think at some point it certainly should track the ebitda growth rate to some degree um but uh, maybe the stock being priced at 600 or 700 billion already market cap, you know, is already priced in an EBITDA that's like double what it is today next year. And then once it gets beyond that, then it starts kind of going up, you know, but 700 billion market cap is pretty, pretty yeah. high. It's like one of the biggest companies in the world. Yeah. And uh, okay, so, so yeah. here's going off on a little bit, like, I, cause I, I don't, yeah. I don't see people talking about this like specific, but for example, yeah. if EBITDA is at two point, I say 5 billion this last quarter, right? So annualized that's 10 billion dollars right but that's yeah. actually trailing i mean that's not looking forward you know let's say uh next year or the yeah, year next after year. and we everybody knows like production is probably almost going to double right so if you take that 10 billion ebitda run rate that's low you know what i'm saying it's too low yeah. basically right move it to 20 billion you're saying yeah but i'm saying even off of 10 billion at a 600 billion dollar market cap that's what a 60 multiple off of you know yeah. today's ebitda which is well if you double it to 20 billion ebitda let's say then you're looking at a 30 times multiple off of ebitda and it's like yeah. hmm it's like i i've been kind of looking a little bit into past amazon kind of EBITDA and the multiples that people are giving like mm -hmm. historically. And I think it was, um, don't quote me on this, but like between like, it was around mostly 40 to 50, the multiple hmm. um, during its like growth years and stuff. So, yeah. you know, you could make a case that, that, you know, um, the, that, um, that we're getting into this, this range where EBITDA will kind of be the maybe between 30 and 60 EBITDA will be the yeah. range that the, the price just bounces back and forth over, you know, over the next yeah. maybe five or 10 years, who knows? Yeah. 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 I agree. I mean, I think I agree with a lot of what you're saying. And there's so many call option potentials with the self-driving coming to fruition quicker than mm -hmm. most people think, or, you know, just sometime in the next year or two, even, um, and this EBITDA multiple, you know, people giving it a more favorable, uh, view on the current stock price, you know, and there's a lot of, um, good possibilities, you know, 
if demand, if they don't sell double the cars next year for some reason, um, that could hurt them. But I, I don't see that. Ha- I, I think it's almost, it's, it seems very high, highly likely that they're going to have double, close to double, like a million and a half cars or more next year sold and, and delivered. That's my opinion. But if that doesn't happen, then their growth isn't going to be, you know, as as fast as as we anticipate, at least. And I, I, you know, that's one small danger I have in my sure. mind. I'm still holding, but uh, sure. you know, just you just don't know. I guess, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, Alex, you want to go on to the next question here? Let's see. Do you all think setting up a gigafactory in India to manufacture twenty-five thousand dollar EVs would be financially viable? Also, thoughts on rumors of Tesla China starting on a twenty-five thousand dollar vehicle? year at year end i mean i think the india thing that's up in the air right now they're negotiating it sounds like that the government of india is kind of hardlining them and we'll see how hardlining elon is with with india i guess or tesla is um so that's sort of very uncertain in my mind you know a few months ago i thought it was probable they'd have some, some india business going in 2022 um but now i think it's more like 50 50 um um what do you think, David, about the India stuff? Yeah, I think the latest news was the some minister was not wanting to waive or reduce the import taxes, which yeah. is hurting Tesla. Which you know they can't even get a bit a footprint you know in their country. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you can't even do that, I don't know how you're gonna invest in a factory. You know, you got to take yeah. it step by step, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. So we'll I wonder that. if some of it has to do with the fact that you know India knows that it's going to be imported from China. Yeah, well, it's not going to be an importer from Fremont, right? And so India <laughs> and China true. are kind of at odds with each other, yeah, right? So yeah. I wonder if the Indian politicians or the political climate there is like, we don't want to import Chinese vehicles with a benefit, you know, like this, this yeah. is not what we, you know. So I wonder if that's hurting negotiations at this point. Maybe if Tesla can say, hey, we'll import it from Europe, maybe that would help. I don't know. I'm just speculating, but yeah, yeah. it just seems like maybe that could play a role of some sort. And, and for the second part of the question, I guess, is thoughts on rumors of Tesla China starting 20. I mean, I, I think that rumor has been coming around. I don't know. I think year end is still too soon in my mind, but it maybe it could happen. It seems like demand, I can't tell if the demand is languishing. That's why they're reducing prices or what. Um, what do you think about the China part of the question? Yeah, Dave? I mean, that the rumor was from, I think, Ray for Tesla on Twitter. I DM'd, it, DM'd him saying, hey, you know, is this, is the rumor source like is it legit? He's saying the guy um, tweets on Weibo and he's had several. Um, correct tweets about the recent price reductions before the price mm. reductions happened. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it seems almost unbelievable that, you know, Tesla c- could actually make a $25,000 vehicle this year in China. Um, my yeah. hunch is that they are actively pushing development through um, and they might be making maybe the, the prototype vehicle or something, you know, and then maybe it gets like, via the telephone game, you know, it's like, oh, they're making the, the, the car this year, right? Yeah, and then yeah, everyone yeah. thinks like, oh, they're going to sell the car this year when yeah. it's actually the prototype, you know, but I don't yeah. know. That's true. Yeah, I think that's probably more accurate. Um, yeah, I mean, they don't want to cannibalize if they have a demand thing going on. They definitely don't want that type of rumor getting legitimacy and cannibalize any Model 3 demand yeah, near term in China, that's for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, let's go to the next question. Kuma says, have you seen recent Star Talk episode with Neil deGrasse Tyson and Malcolm Gladwell? Interesting proposition that if self-driving cars are perfectly safe, will pedestrians become tyrannical jaywalkers, thereby gumming up the traffic? Thoughts? So I, I do, I think maybe this has come up before, maybe Elon's mentioned, I feel like it's been talked about once or twice. It seems like that um, 
uh, I'm not so concerned about jaywalkers more than like other drivers early on, you know, cutting off self-driving cars. They see a Tesla, like, oh, self-driving, I'll just cut that thing off, it'll get out of my way no matter what, you know? And I could see that like being a little bit of an issue maybe earlier. Jaywalkers, I feel like people don't want to, maybe have some crazy jaywalkers, but I don't think people want to, you know, it's your own life, your own body right there. It's like different than being inside a car where you can kind of be protected by a mental cage. But um, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't think, it, you know, maybe you'll see some news stories run with that kind of thing going on. But what do you think, Dave? Anything? Yeah. I mean, I haven't watched that episode. I, I I'm just wrote it down. Hopefully maybe I can check it out. But um, there was a recent episode that Lex Friedman did with this uh, Facebook AI researcher. And, mm -hmm. Uh, Lex Friedman, he actually thinks that self-driving in terms of that you could sleep in the car and it could mm -hmm. work in most situations is five to 30 years out. What? And, yeah. And his, his reasoning is that he thinks it's a much more complex human to robot interaction issue. It's not just a robot figuring out the environment, but it's really like understanding humans too. Um, and That's there's crazy. different levels. So one is like, how do you interact with your car to make sure the car you're overseeing it in the right way and over time, less and less supervision. Right. Um, but also the car to understand the situations, like he actually says that he thinks a decent part of him believes that you need AGI to solve self-driving, hmm. like to the point where, you know, you'll sleep in the car, all that stuff. And I, like, I'm, Here's the thing. I think people need to understand that point of view. And I, I don't know if you saw this um, one tweet I did about uh, Karpathy tweeted this picture of Obama. Yes, uh, I saw yeah, that. Stepping yeah. on the, a scale, right? And how difficult yeah. that situation is to understand, right? Yeah. Um, most people would say, oh, you don't need to understand the situation to do self-driving, right? But what Fried Lex Friedman is saying, and this is my hypothesis, he's saying, what if you do? What if you do yeah. need to be at that level to understand the situation, to really yeah. crack self-driving, how long yeah. is it going to take? I mean, that's his perspective, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you can make a case for that because you could say in certain situations, there are, it's so complex and there's different people and, and nuanced to be communication and all this stuff in certain situations that, that are quite dangerous. You need to quickly analyze stuff, bring in prior knowledge of how people communicate how they walk and all sorts of stuff to give an assessment of the situation to make the right decision. If not, yeah. it could be fatal, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's one angle. The other angle is you could say, well, sure, there might be super crazy corner cases that are super hard that will take a long time, but maybe the, the car could avoid that, just slow down and not yeah. participate in that, right? Or, mm -hmm. um, or something or, or pull over or something. Um, and then overall, though, the car still can be safer than a human because humans get distracted. There's drunk driving. There's, you know, so many accidents that can be prevented, you know? Um, yeah. so you've got the situation the human is more capable when they're fully attentive, but, um, they're not fully attentive all the time. Right. So yeah. the question yeah. is, could the cars get to the place where they're safer statistically, but they occasionally make these crazy mistakes that the humans think is so stupid. You know that yeah yeah right and then yeah. lex freedom is also bringing up the point of how about will society tolerate that will they accept that you know um that cars kill people um using stupid mistakes but it's justifiable because they're safer and less overall they're saving 10 times as many lives overall exactly right so um comp yeah super complex there's um 
if you check out the, the his Lex Friedman's talk, go to his talk. There's timestamps and check out the um, autonomous driving um, section. It's only about five or ten minutes, but okay. it actually is 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 interesting. I think it's an important I think point of view that people definitely need to consider. Yeah, no, I definitely want to watch yeah. that or listen to it. I will. Um, it makes total sense to me. Like, when does when does the self driving get to a point where it's like quote unquote perfect in the eyes of a human where they didn't make any misjudgment in the eyes of a human did the best it possibly could even in the case of like the trolley problem it figured exactly. that out or whatever you know mm -hmm. and that could be you know five to 20 years away i agree but uh like you were saying to the point where statistically significant in saving lives i think that's much closer than people realize and whether or not the public and legislators tolerate it is another story and i think that's going to go into a lot of what we discussed and how it rolls out you know, in a statewide, state by state, maybe in Florida first, Miami, wherever, and then other states and, and other countries or whatever. So I think statistically, statistics will win, on, statistics will win out over time. And um, I think that'll eventually, it'll still be as good as in five or 20 years, be like Lexus saying as good as a human could possibly do too. So sure. I think both things could be right. But I think, the yeah. self, you know, being comfortable, you're sleeping, maybe, yeah. Uh, Maybe you're going to have, maybe that'll be a while. I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah. yeah. It's a good question. I'll, I'll watch that for sure. Yeah. Let's go to the um, next question. All right. So from VG92840169, uh, now that Elon has said that Tesla is an AI company, what areas does Dave think Tesla will focus its AI prowess on? Thanks. I think we touched on this a little bit before, but do you have anything yeah. else you want to add about it? Or Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I think humanoids are a longer term. I think, um, uh, maybe factory robots is a good start. Yeah, I think it it segues into Elon's thoughts that Tesla's long term competitive advantage will be manufacturing. Yeah, I think he might be saying that because he's like, oh, we have AI, we have we're going to get into robots. You know, robot basically the machine the robots, that builds the machine. Yeah, it makes the machine, etc. And other companies they can't do that because they're not AI experts, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So I think you know that's the next logical step. I saw some job posting with Tesla talking about like robots on the factory line, you know, like make, like, yeah. um, uh, Tesla creating their own robots. And so I think yeah. it's definitely something, you know, they'll do, um, to me, that's the biggest kind of question to look out for in AI day is kind of like, okay, what is Tesla thinking? But yeah, I mean, it, it was helpful with George Hotz, our interview also, but he was like, oh, the path is self-driving, cooking and cleaning robots than AGI, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, if that's the case, then, you know, it's pretty obvious where Tesla's headed, you know, they're going to robots yeah. um, after cars. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then the bigger question is like, wait a minute, does that mean Tesla is going to solve AGI, right? And because yeah. basically people count out Tesla right now. They're like, oh, Google, DeepMind, all these other guys are, yeah. are way far ahead. But yeah. if the path to AGI does go through perhaps physical robots, um, because part of it is like, how do you understand co super complex situations that involve humans the physical without world, being humans. like, you know, somehow yeah. interacting or understanding those situations. So if Tesla really gets into that and takes that whole another level where they get more data, better data, different data than just a Google, you know, whatever online approach, yeah. like yeah. if they get this physical world, real world AI, that's crucial for AGI. Could it be that Tesla's going to be the front runner for AGI. Yeah. Like people aren't yeah, thinking about be, that right now. That's like crazy to think about. 
yeah. it is crazy. It sort of see, reminds me of in 2014 or whenever when he first brought up self-driving, how crazy it was to think of Tesla being a self-driving car company, technology company. Yeah. It was like, just seemed like pie in the sky thinking like wish, wishful thinking. But now the same thing is Tesla going to be an AI company sort of feels like in the distance, but you can see the path forward to it. And given how they've really transitioned in the past, it's easy to envision them transitioning to something major like that in the next five or 10 years too. So yeah, maybe we're doing chats like this in 2030 and we're talking about Tesla's AI craziness of stuff they're building and I wonder what the next thing beyond that would be. I don't know, but uh, yeah. I think for sure, yeah, it's, it's definitely in the cards and uh, more, more likely than not that there'll be a huge player in the AI space. Yeah. yeah. All right, next question is uh, from Giru Thandapani. Uh, he says, can you guys talk a little bit about your thoughts on Kama AI's approach towards autonomous driving versus Tesla's approach in layman's terms? I mean, I think James Dalmo will do a really good job of that, but maybe you and I can quickly uh, touch on that. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, in my opinion, they're, they're very similar. I mean, it's, you know, you're using neural nets and vision to solve self-driving. It's, in my opinion, um, um, and this is debatable, but, you know, Tesla's had to go through this route of, first solving vision, which is basically understanding, perceiving the world around, labeling everything, classifying everything, identifying yeah. everything. George Hotz is saying like, oh, I don't think I need that. But you have to understand the context. One is he's not trying to push the cutting edge of full self-driving. Yeah. He's like, oh, we'll take the chill, just stay in the lane right now. Yeah. He doesn't need to yeah. you know, do crazy stuff right now. Um, yeah. And the second thing is, it's kind of like there's a debate in, in kind of machine learning circles. And part of it is like, there's this thing called reinforcement learning or this whole thing where it's, you could um, do a video game and you could have um, by basically um, giving feedback, let's say the video, the, the feedback is the score that the, the AI is getting in the video game. As long as you have a feedback mechanism that to evaluate performance like a score, then what, and, and you basically just let the AI run like a billion times and they will get the best score possible yeah like that's the objective yeah. right and yeah, that's like yeah. the, the gist of like go you know solving go is yeah. rather than programming the ai like oh do this move or this move basically you say okay here's like the rules of the game yeah and here's the score right whether you win or lose or something right um, yeah and you run it like a billion times and the ai gets so good that it knows how to like do that ultimate game right um yeah and George Hotz is basically saying, well, it could be something like that self-driving where you just run enough, like, you know, stuff in, in the system and mm -hmm. you'll, you'll learn how to play the game the best. Right. Um, the, the challenge with that is it does become a data problem in a sense, because you could do that for easy driving situations. And I think that makes sense for George, George Hotz. He's like, we just want driving chill. We're not even interested in terms right now. We want to make yeah. you feel like, you know, you're in the right lane. And so to do that, yeah, use reinforcement or use as much data from real people just keeping in their lanes and have AI figure that out where it can keep the lane as good as a human, right? That's where I think George Hotz is coming, to, coming yeah. from. I think Tesla's solving a fundamental, much more complex problem because when you're at intersections, when you're like, you know, doing all these complex turns and navigating, you know, pedestrians, all this stuff, you're having to understand the world more. You're having to really know if that's a person or a cone, you know, like that's yeah, important. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and because of that, Tesla has, has had to do much more aggressive type of methods. And um, the other thing is like, 
Andre Karpati, he, he caught on to reinforcement learning like super early. He did a 2016 blog post on it. He's like, he really got into the weeds. So he's like a pioneer in this stuff. It's not like he's not doing, you know, like this stuff because he doesn't know. He knows that yeah. in his approach, you first have to understand the world and then you kind of apply what to do in that world, especially when it's complex, like, you know, local city driving. And so yeah. in my opinion, Tesla eventually moves over to reinforcement learning to, to make it feel more like a human. You know, mm -hmm. but it just needs this extra step of understanding everything in the world. In the world with first. the labeling. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they seem but, to have a good auto labeling process in place by now, I think. Yeah. Given how quickly they're kind of putting out new updates, right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Yeah. Um, did you, I cut you off there? Did you have something else oh, no, to no. say? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I mean, that's sorry. the gist of it. it might, it's just different. Like Tesla's in a much more ambitious, more complicated, you know, they're pushing the envelope further. They need, they need to do what they're doing, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, they're the pioneers. They know they're the pioneers. George knows he's not the pioneer. He's the settler following the pioneers, you know, pioneers are the uh, he ones that shot that, with arrows but... in their back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He doesn't want to be shot with arrows on his back. So he's just going to settle where the pioneers have gone. Maybe. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, anyway. yeah. And in the video game analogy, one thing I was thinking of is like, like you're saying, the maximizer score, he's doing that just for like of the video game. He's focusing just on level one and level two, the basic levels of the video game, maximizing exactly. the score for the highway driving, whereas Tesla's trying to beat the whole game, get to level 10, and then take mm -hmm. that and maximize the score throughout the hardest levels of that game, but then also be able to apply that to other video games, maybe in the real world. You know, anyway, it's just yeah. Uh, yeah. Tesla's taking a much more... Um, uh, approach with much more potential. It's riskier, obviously, and they're the pioneers, but there's a lot more potential with Tesla's approach, I'd say for sure. So yeah, next question. What was the next question? I think it was up there, I, or it'll come up in a second, let's see. All right, from Michael Howe, with Apple and Microsoft above the two trillion mark, do you think enough global money will move to and be able to support Tesla in the multi-trillions? I, I think so, I mean, I'm very confident by the end of the decade, I say, you know, that it'll be the largest company in the world, and Apple and Microsoft might be, you know, four or five trillion market cap companies by then. But I think Tesla will be even bigger by the end of the decade. Um, but and by 2025 or 2023, unlikely, but 2025, maybe that's my opinion. Depends if this full self-driving thing really pans out, you know, the way many of us bulls hope it will in the next couple of years. I think that's a big component of how fast Tesla's market cap goes up into the trillions. Um, that's my opinion uh i don't see tesla's market cap going below you know 500 billion two years from now you know it could temporarily between now and then but i think two years from now I, it would be hard for me to fathom tesla being below 500 billion market cap but um i don't know uh, dave you have any thoughts about the market cap yeah i mean like it's an interesting idea of like is there enough global money to support super high valuations and i would say yeah for sure there is um like if you look at the take a step back, you've got these bigger trends, you have technology, you have the network effects of this technology, and you've got globalization. So if you look at like, a while back, I did this thing where I researched, I'm like, okay, what is the top uh, social network, right, mm. in different countries. So I was like typing in all these countries. And it's like, it's, if you take out China from the mix, it's almost all the same in every country yeah. around the world. It's like, yeah, yeah it's, it's like the 
Facebook, the Instagram, you know, I mean, right now it's TikToks too and all that stuff, um, Messenger, uh, WhatsApp, etc. Like if you look at the top five, right, it's like pretty consistent all over the world. There, there's different arrangements of the top five. But if you look at also um, online video, so I was typing in online video, who is, who's the top online video in all these countries? It's like YouTube by far is like in probably 95% of the countries in the world, they're the top, you know? And yeah. if you think about it, that's it's not just the US, it's not just Western countries, it's not just English speaking countries, but this is a globalized yeah. thing. And we're in the early innings. Um, and, you know, this stuff is like, it's not a US thing anymore. These are global companies writing global trends, writing global network effects. And it's hard to find the right place to put your money in. You know, it's like, yeah, there's lack of these opportunities. There's no interest there. rates. There's hardly no interest rates anymore. So people yeah, have to exactly. put their money somewhere. I mean, you have yeah. so much cryptocurrency. I mean, how far that goes, I don't know. But yeah, you got to put your money in something. And, and uh, I think there's definitely yeah. enough money to support these market, you know, multi-trillion dollar market caps for yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. it's almost like the reverse question might be it's like what happens if too much money is moving into you know <laughs> these opportunities like yeah probably, uh, a, bit, a bit more probably um probable yeah yeah all right let's go let's take a few more maybe three more questions uh alec you want to start with the next one and see here so robo taxi in miami city in 2022 from hassan and investing um i mean i think that's a likely early candidate you know austin or texas obviously i think could be an early candidate uh with the relationship tesla's building with texas and austin um but i do i, I know that miami the mayor there uh suarez or i think uh he's been i think he's set on record he wants to have robo taxis in 2022 or something so i do see that as an early candidate um i don't know where else what, what do you think dave have you followed yeah that? i would um so i i'll i'll that I'll put my wager against that right now. Um, oh. I know actually uh, Francis Suarez, the Miami uh, city mayor, I think believe, I believe replied to Hassan's tweet asking him about it, saying something to the effect of, you know, let's go for it, let's do it. Um, so okay. he wants to do it. The reality is more, uh, my opinion, um, the early rollouts of RoboTaxi, they need to be in areas that are super straightforward like mm. not complex at all, you know? And I think yeah. that's why you go to a place and, and also very welcoming right um so that's why for example you go to chandler arizona where you know it's already welcoming but the streets are kind of like boxed streets yeah many people on the street etc yeah. you don't want to go to a busy city you know Miami, yeah. miami's a busy, busy city you don't want to go there to start out you want to go to a predictable boxy place you know to roll out yeah. your first instances of robo taxi and it's probably going to be quite slow the rollout you know they want to make it right um so yeah, my, my take. Yeah, yeah, it's a good, good take. All right, next question here. It's from Matthew. Thoughts on the virality effect on full self-driving beta going wide release? Um, I mean, I think the wide release uh, is a ways away, um, but they might widen the release. I think Dave, you were mentioning in your video yesterday, you think they'll start widening the release slowly, right? I mean, do you think yeah. that there's going to be a lot of virality, like a positive virality or negative, if there's a crash or what are your thoughts on, yeah. on the vi I think, virality I think effect? In my opinion, the bigger risk is probably the negative, you know, news by these media yeah. groups that, like, you know, Consumer Reports is dying to get their hands on this, you know, yeah. Tear, yeah. tear it apart, right? Yeah, and they're going like to try to mess it up so much. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, it's just, it's just, it's, it's like bait. It's it's like they're just wanting. It's irresistible, you know, um, because it's like 
stuff they're biased against already it's gonna get them a, a ton of clicks you know yeah and that's like, the big thing you know they'll be put into the conversation that they're part of the future evaluating the future or whatever yeah yeah there'll be a um, leading discussion on like news exactly. shows about it if they're the first ones to report negative things about it yeah yeah the virality um, probably negative if anything yeah. yeah i mean and yeah and the, the hype already surrounding it is going to lead to people getting a little confused in the beginning, I think, uh, because it is a driver assist system and it needs a lot of humor, human intervention. And there are yeah. times where it just makes the worst possible move, you know? And yeah. It's scary sometimes, you know, it's like, could, at times yeah. it's great. At times it's like, you know, you're like, whoa, this is cool. But at times you're like, whoa, you know? This is yeah. Kind of, yeah. I mean, I've talked about it for look, like the first time there's on video that like this, self-driving car runs over and it's going to happen it's just a matter of time you can't yeah you can't be 100 percent perfect you know whether it's you know 0.9 to the 10th power or 0.939s or whatever you know it's going to happen and um i could see the wide release happening and like everyone being excited early on the first few days or a week or something and maybe uh even the stock going up a little bit but then you'll have like one or two crashes on video all over the news about like Full self-driving run over running over a kid or that didn't see or killing you know something that's like horrific to see on video like not just a news headline like on vi a video clip of something that people will like it'll be in the news like oh, don't watch this if you're sensitive to something but this is the first full you know once you have a couple of those things go like that'll be national global news you know like they'll push like who's not gonna we're gonna watch everyone's gonna watch yeah. that right yeah. and and that's gonna i think there's a chance that that could really hit the stock hard right when that starts coming out, that virality, that negative virality effect could initially hit the stock real hard, you know, when that comes out. And, and that's inevitable, in my opinion. Um, but I mean, long term, I don't think it, it should matter. But uh, depending if it's enough virality where it creates some crazy, like, you know, outreach with legislators, Congress on a national level saying, let's put a hold on this until we figure it out, you know, like they did with Boeing 737 jets or whatever. That would be terrible if that happens. Hopefully, I mean, there's enough statistics think, to back it up. Yeah, I think the thing that Tesla is going for it is it's still so-called level two where human supervision is required. So the liability goes to the driver, and then they make it yeah. clear it's the driver's liability. So even though they call it full self-driving, um, the liability is still with the driver. The driver needs to pay attention. So Legally, it's, yes, it's for It's still sure, legal in terms of the letter of the law. It still fits under a driver's system. So in that yeah. respect... You know, it's not too dangerous, the vi negative virality, because it's kind of Hopefully. like Tesla's like, hey, this is, you know, not an autonomous car. This is just, yeah. you know, assisting the it's driver. Autopilot. Yeah, yeah, you're supposed to pay yeah. attention. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a really crazy debate. I mean, and it's going to be huge news headlines for a while if there's nothing else too major going on at that time. And then you have politicians that just yeah. love to prey on emotional fears, whether it's yeah. COVID, Delta variant stuff or if there's something, some video showing something horrific like this, even if there's someone self-driving, you know, and they're defending yeah. themselves saying, hey, I always, you know, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, yeah I just worry about that. That's a big risk temp for a short-term price uh, hit on the stock, but yeah. a major price hit in the future. I was I was just thinking this past week, like the name, full self-driving, it's yeah. kind of like, you know, there was this big debate, you know, yeah. People were like, autopilot's a bad name, you know? They call it something else, right? It's, it it yeah. leads people on too much. And then Tesla doubles down on <laughs> full self-driving yeah. the name, right? <laughs> of yeah, all the different yeah, names yeah. I could have chose. And yeah. I was thinking about it. I'm like, oh, I, I, I get it. It's, 
it's the whole Elon um, Musk approach of casting the vision of what's possible. Mm-hmm. You know, he's really into that. The whole like before he started SpaceX, he wanted to you know, launch a greenhouse thing to Mars, or you know, with the solar roof. Um, yeah, Tesla first showed that what's possible, right? Or yeah, you know, yeah. Like, like he's always into like the the power of belief of hope, you know, yeah. and what that's able to catalyze and drive people toward. I think people underestimate that, but Elon's very keenly aware of that. And I think that's one of the reasons why he's insistent. He's like, I don't want to call this thing driver assist, like, you know, cruise control or something. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, <laughs> I want to give people some excitement, some hope of what yeah. this is going to be, be right. And that yeah, I need yeah. an appropriate name for it, right. To capture yeah. people's imagination. Um, yeah. but you've got that power, but then you've also, you know, you've got some pushback, you know, from people who are like, wait a minute, that's le- misleading right now. Yeah. Um, but in a different perspective, rather than yeah. misleading, maybe it's encouraging people to be excited of its potential, future potential, as long as Tesla yeah. can, can, can walk that line where they're like, Hey, realistically, objectively, this is not, you know, the- walk in the line. That's the key. Yeah it's, yeah. it's not what, you know, what, you know, some people might dream it is in the future. It's the present yeah. is is still, you know, um, this thing in, in work, you know? Yeah. I mean, there'll be a lot of discussion. The virality effects, whether it's negative initially or not, it'll just create a ton more dinner table discussions. It'll bring a lot more awareness. Long term, it's really good, but it'll be a big, if it's a yeah. negative virality, it'll be a short term. But yeah, I, I think the F, they call it FSD beta, probably to try to make not make it sound as full self-driving. I mean, we know it stands for full self-driving, but, but maybe Elon will say, hey, it's like not a flamethrower, flamethrower, FSD beta, what do you mean? I'm not calling it full self-driving, it's just FSD. It can stand for anything. You might think of another name for FSD. <laughs> yeah, who knows? But uh, Yeah, actually call it like something else. like um, Not FSD, FSD or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or <laughs> something, change the acronym, right? <laughs> yeah, or think of a different word for the F you know that sounds almost full or something i don't know yeah, there's probably you know full supervised driving or something yeah 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 full supervised. <laughs> yeah yeah that's yeah. our name yeah exactly so all right let's go to the next question all right this is from nullius on verba does tesla push into further robots ai with incentive of bringing technology to mars in my opinion the long-term picture of elon's ai interest portrayed in genius makers is bullish Hmm. You read Genius Makers, right, Dave? What's which kind of what's the portrait picture of Eli Elon's interest in that? Do you remember? Yeah, I mean, I mean, his interest was kind of more like he invested in a deep mind, um, because I think Peter Thiel or I think someone invested and brought him in, and Elon wanted to keep tabs right with what Deep Mind's doing. This was early on, like 2014 or so, and so he was able to keep on um, keep tabs. He was getting concerned. He started OpenAI, mm-hmm. um, but that later. I when it had some problems, kind of almost went in a completely different direction. Um, yeah. Elon pulled out Andre Karpathy um, into Tesla. Um, but yeah, it's um, um, yeah, but it, it it's something that you know Elon is keenly aware of the the risks, but also the benefits. I haven't heard Elon emphasize the the risks as much as before. You know, I think he was really getting into this this yeah. deep concern of AGI, but I think um, the general consensus is like, okay, maybe it is, you know, not within the next 10 years or something, you know, it's, it's going to take a, a bit longer than that. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it, the other question is this whole thing of um, if Tesla solves humanoid or just factory robots and then, 
you know, cleaning, cooking robots, etc. And if it really does end up them being in this pole position for AGI after they solve that, like, um, like you know, there's tons of concerns for AGI, but it would be probably the best in our best interest if the person and company who is kind of pioneering that it has this keen uh, like responsibility and awareness for the good of humanity, right? And I think mm -hmm. of any person and company you know out there. I think Elon and Tesla fit that bill pretty well, right? So that's yeah. actually a, po a more positive view on of, or take on AGI of any company out there. Who do you want solving AGI? Do you want Google or Facebook? Do you want Facebook solving AGI, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> or, or Tesla, right? That is the question. Or IBM. You don't want IBM exactly. either. Yeah, you don't want like yeah, a big yeah. corporation either. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I think th I think also in Mars, it's going to be a big part of Mars is. Uh, future is when you have these, you know, you have, you can have more robot, many more, like right now we think of humans going to Mars and yeah, there'll be some humans, but I think you'll have like a ratio of like capable robots to humans, probably like 10 to one or a hundred to one, even, I don't know, like you'll have people there to kind of supervise things and maybe reprogram it to do things here and there or whatever. But I think you'll have a ton of robots, like whether it's terraforming Mars or just build, you know, building the underground, um, systems to live in and and you know whatever the domes that they might yeah. have to build or whatever i think you have you know that's part of elon's vision too is like you know once they build the robots on earth like you know they can build the robots for mars too and send them over there and they'll be solar powered or whatever you know i think robots will be a huge part of the mars colonization plan yeah. and tes tesla and spacex are kind of going to be symbiotic in that way De definitely i tweeted on um, this poll i'm like uh, what what company are you more excited about tesla or spacex yeah and i think it was i like picked spacex yeah, pick six, yeah 60 40 said tesla but the more i'm thinking about it, i was telling my, i was talking to my wife yesterday i'm like spacex like tesla's mission is much more like um it's much more defined. It's not yeah. like as unlimited in potential yeah. in terms of its possibilities, right? I mean, Tesla yeah. is clear next 10 years, like they build cars, energy, you know, robots, etc. But for SpaceX, it's like so open-ended and the universe is so crazy. And it's yeah. like, how many, it's not like how many years is SpaceX going to be around? It's like, if history continues or, you know, it's like how many centuries or something. It's just crazy to think about the, 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 the total addressable market for SpaceX is so great. It's so like, huge. You know, it's like, you, it's, we don't even know how to you yeah. know, really <laughs> quantify that. that. Exactly. That's going to be, ultimately, that's going to be the, you know, could easily be the biggest company, much bigger than Tesla in 30 years, 20 years. You yeah. know, it's just huge potential. Yeah. And have you, have you been tracking what they're doing with this whole, um, uh, um, their heavy booster? Their, their, um, so, like, they're trying to, frantically get like into orbit right um there's their uh their super heavy booster and um they've already they're starting to make multiple it's like five it's like five to ten of their starships are making at the same time right now and they're, yeah. they're trying to test this and rumor has it they're trying to test it within a week or so but the thing is like i think they're trying to there's a a window opening to go to mars and yes. um, supposedly it's like 12 days or something in September of 2022. Only uh, 12 could, days? 
or something oh, wow. like that. Well, maybe yeah. with the limitations we have right now, but in the future, the windows will be bigger. But maybe um, with what they can reasonably do now, they think it's about no, a 12-day window. No, it's actually like the, the positioning of like Mars and Earth and all this stuff. That yeah. It's, it's, that's where it's – yeah, maybe it could be a little so every bit Every two years or every yeah, three years. But, yeah, there's like a – I thought it was a three-month window, but maybe – Yeah, it could be longer, the, but – um, Maybe with their limitations, it's 12 days. Yeah, so I think Elon is frantically trying to get something done by that date. And my hunch is, yeah. I wonder if he's trying to launch 10 starships to Mars in wow. September 20, next year. I, I, I wonder if that's the plan. And if he's going to launch 10, what is he going to put in all that those starships, right? <laughs> like, this is crazy. Some raw materials that they'll need later, I bet. That's yeah. what they could and do, then, right? Like, I don't know if this is what he's going to do, but can you imagine? These starships have to... so. The heavy booster boot like launches the starships into orbit. They stay in or in in orbit, right? Until they, and so they it launches one at a time. So this will probably happen over a few months, and then they yeah. they hang out there together, and then they start their journey to Mars at the same time. Like you yeah. know, can you imagine like if Tesla or not Tesla, if Elon uh, and SpaceX does this next year? Like That'd be incredible. Ten starships in, or, yeah. and they all launch at the same time to Mars. Like yeah. this is like, holy moly! Insane. Like, in, I mean, I thought that was going to be 2025 or something, but 2023 that'd be incredible. Like, it's just yeah. like that vision he, that's outlined in Suburban's Wait, but why SpaceX? You know, three-part yeah. series or whatever is yeah. coming to fruition faster than we think. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. yeah. The, I mean, I don't know. I'm not so fun. I'm not following it enough to know like yeah. what a realistic possibility it is, but yeah. it's yeah. like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm starting to think I need to interview and talk with some SpaceX experts, like people who are really into try to figure out like, okay, what is, you know, all the steps, you know, they need to do. Um, yeah. 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 That's incredible. Yeah. I can't, I, I'm really curious to see what happens. Let's do one more question. Then we'll, sure. we'll let you go, Dave. All, all right. right. No worries. Let's see here. All right. Last question from Alex B. Are you going to make a video on Lemonade Q2 earnings review? What's your expectations? Um, I mean, for me, Lemonade, I definitely have been following them. Uh, I am very curious. I think their earnings is later this week. They took some questions on say. I haven't reviewed those questions myself. And, um, you know, Matt and I will certainly talk about it probably on our next week uh, live uh, chat. You know, we've, we've been following it because it's part of our portfolio and the fund. And, uh, you know, our thesis is that Lemonade um, – is disrupting the insurance insurance industry is a is a true insure tech player you know they're, they're the only ones in that space kind of building their own backbone technology the other insure tech players are sort of piggybacking off of the existing legacy insurance providers and so they can't adapt and change quickly and therefore the, the interface of lemonade is really good and they have you know, lower costs and so we're re really curious to see um the metrics they put out um in this quarterly earnings later this week and we don't really have a, a forecast. I mean, I think it's like a five billion market cap company right now. I mean, I could see it. You know, our thesis is we think that there's at least a twenty to twenty-five percent chance in two years it could be like valued at a twenty billion market cap. You know, two two years from now or something like. You know, that's not greater than fifty percent, but we think um, it's a significant probability where it's worth uh, taking some some you know risk reward placed uh, bets that we've done. So that's sort of our thesis on it. Um, David, have you been following Lemonade still, or do you have any thoughts on yeah, the future earnings? Um, so the the few things I, I I'm looking out for is um, one is like I'm basically looking out for their CFO um, to keep his word, right? To keep his like I want to because he he's a smart guy, um, 
And I want to see that their growth is still like intact and healthy. So I want to see like, you know, some customer, healthy customer ac acquisition numbers, you know, growing, you know, kind of premium per customer. Um, and um, I also want to see like their marketing costs. Like sometimes they, they talk about that, like how much it is costing them to acquire and how long it takes it take to get to get back that money. I want to see that continually improve. Um, as long as they, they're growing and they have a mechanism to grow, right? Like that's that's going to be key. And then the third area is, is obviously this whole auto insurance thing that they're launching. Yeah, and so it's big. already like August and they've been talking about this for a while. So this yeah. has got to launch in the next, you know, by the end of the year. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to be a one. big, yeah, it's going to be a big question. How do you get people over to auto um, and compete with the big auto, uh, big insurance companies. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of, I think lemonade is, you know, like, I think they've hit some type of, you know, they're not growing as fast as before with renters or let's say home insurance is kind of tough. So the big yeah. question mark is like, is auto going to be like a new green pasture for them where they're growing mm -hmm. super fast, or is it going to be? more difficult, like slower growth. Yeah. Know, like, like really yeah. slow growth. So the question mark is, yeah, will auto, auto will show like some things about- There's a lot of potential with auto. Yeah. yeah. A lot of potential yeah. with the auto if they execute it well. And I agree. I mean, that's a huge yeah. upside potential. and It could hurt them if it doesn't, if it flops, but you know, I'm, I gotta think that the auto part is, uh, has a lot of more upside, you know, um, possibility on their business than downside you know they haven't done auto and their stock was doing well without auto you know decently at least and now they're adding this in which to me is more important than all their other insurances combined if they execute it well so i'm hopeful if they can execute it well word gets around you know that lemonade auto is killer and lots of people start signing up for it and that's like an insurance everyone sort of like i feel like i feel like shops around a little bit more for than other types of insurance i mean just from my personal experience homeowners insurance or whatever other insurance i really never really shopped around for most insurances i'm just like yeah, yeah. whatever i'm used to sign up but for auto insurance in the past before tesla or even with tesla you know i've always kind of kept my mind open to like what else is out there what's the best out there you know and, and so lemonade they have a real opportunity here to kind of really disrupt the auto insurance market so we'll yeah. see um one company i would suggest you and matt to look into is oscar so oscar um, okay. yeah it's a it's a health insurance right company um it's actually when we moved to texas we were looking yeah. for health insurance our insurance wouldn't transfer over to texas so we we're looking okay. at different providers and we actually ended up signing up for oscar oscar yeah so they were i think okay. a startup out of new york um trying okay. to reinvent health insurance i've heard about them in the past you know but i'm like it's hard to evaluate it right and so by having their insurance for the past sev seven months my wife has been super impressed. It's like really? the sign up process is like, it's like a tech experience. It's like wow. just super simple, even like getting appointments or, you know, whatever, just whatever we need. It's super easy. You just kind of chat with, with somebody and it's not all bodish. It's actually, you get, you know, some people to chat with. Oh, we'll check and it out. She's almost considering it's like, wow, this is super. It's almost getting like close to an ideal like health yeah, insurance yeah. Like experience, which is incredible for health insurance, which is typically yeah. like, you know, bogged down. Um, yeah. 
but they're they don't compete on price. So they're they're the same price as other insurance okay. companies. Just a much better exactly. experience. But okay. they they it's hundred percent on experience. Um, they do like a lot of telemedicine as well, but they also refer you out. So they're they're competing on the quality of experience. Um, but yeah, definitely check them out. Um, I'll check them out. Company, yeah, I think they're publicly um, traded. You know, or yes, I can check uh, they went out. IPO okay. several months ago. Um, they're kind oh, of wow. their price is just stalled out, and it, it okay. is more of a longer term play in my opinion because this is like, you know, it takes uh, a while like, to develop. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wonder what their market cap is. Let me see if I can find it here. I yeah. bet it's Oscar Help. Yeah, yeah. is. Three point two billion. Well, that's small, relatively small market cap for a big health insurance play. You know, yeah. probably yeah. Uh, have a um, highly valued. Yeah, have Matt. Uh, actually, I would be interested in this research too. So send it to okay. me too. But yeah, ask him to do like um, like a five year like projection, projection on their numbers, like 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 the number of members they have, their revenue, take their margin. You know, give some multiples and stuff. I, I'd like to see kind of a five-year trajectory yeah. to see if like, you know, what type of, you know, p potential that the company might have. But in terms okay. of, yeah. in terms of business and how they're executing, super impressed. Yeah, that's great. All right. No, thanks for the tip. I'll look into yeah. that. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, uh, anything else you wanted to chat about, Dave? Or anything? No, no. I think it's, it's always fun chatting. Um, I want to uh, extend an offer just like I'm willing to chat with you anytime. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, I think what you're Appreciate doing it. with Good Soil is 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 a great thing. Um, I think you and Matt and your team have a lot of potential. And um, thanks. Like with this light with these live streams, I think I think they're I think um, yeah they're going to be great. They're good. I mean they are great already, but I think more and more people will find out. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be discouraged with just like you know whatever to turn out in the beginning because yeah you know, you're going to build that so. Um, yeah, I'm happy to come on anytime, even if it's just a few people watching. I don't care. I, I feel sure, like the thanks. conversation is worth it. What you yeah. guys are doing is worth it. So definitely want to, you know, do whatever I can to support guys. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate yeah. the encouragement and support. Yeah, Great. no worries. All right. Well, looking forward to watch your chat later with James. Uh, so so uh, for that, I guess we'll we'll see everyone next week. And uh, thanks again, Dave. And, and cool. we'll be talking soon anyway, I'm sure. All right. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks a lot. Take care. All right. All right. Yeah.